And also, um, in the next coming, uh, upcoming weeks, just a uh, heads up, we're going to be announcing our Christmas services, and registration will be opening in a few weeks for our Christmas services. So make sure you keep, um, we'll keep you up to date with that. It's going to be an awesome time celebrating the birth of our Savior this year. Amen? Amen, Amen church. Well, it is communion weekend. We're going to be hearing uh, such an important message this morning and taking communion together as a church family at the end. So let's go ahead and let's welcome our lead pastor, Joe Source. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, here we are. It's Christmas. Amen. Yeah, hallelujah, hallelujah is right. Amen. So, um, we're going to be spending time over these next few weeks preparing our hearts so that Christmas just, just doesn't come and go, and, and it's like, boom, that's it, it's over with. Uh, how many of you dislike when, when the holidays just come, and it's like we're not prepared, and then it just goes by, and, and it's like, well, it's just another year gone by. It shouldn't be that way. We should be observing these things and remembering all that, all that God has done for us and all that Jesus has endured on our behalf in order to bring us into this relationship with our Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. It's an important thing for us to, to remember these things. Okay? And most importantly, please, don't get caught up in the world's attitude about Christmas. Don't get caught up in all this stuff. Understand, set this holiday apart as something holy, something sacred. Yeah, let's have fun. Let's do all the things. Let's let our kids have fun. But let's not ever forget what the real meaning of this is. Okay? And I, I spent about two minutes last night talking about this. Really understand this, that the, especially Christmas and Easter. You know, we make this joke sometimes because, you know, now Christmas is coming uh, and we'll see some people that we only see on Christmas or see on Easter. And that's like that in any church. But honestly, when it comes down to it, you can't separate Christmas from Easter. You can't separate Easter from Christmas. Easter happened. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ took place because he came to this earth and presented himself as a human being in the flesh, in a flesh and bone and blood body uh, in order to be able to relate to us. And we're going to be talking a little bit about this. But um, I'm, I'm, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but I, I'm really kind of happy and excited. I see a lot of people in all the neighborhoods around town putting up their Christmas lights. Seems like this year people started earlier, yeah. which is usually a, a good indication that people are looking forward to this. So let's make sure that we're holding this holiday in, um, I don't want to say, I don't know if I want to say esteem, but make it special. And only you can do that. Be intentional about this. Be intentional with your families. Be especially if you have children or grandchildren. Try to do something that's going to stand out for them that they'll remember in the future and they'll associate with this. I know some of you are thinking, what's the big deal? We don't even know if Jesus was born on that day. You're right. We don't know. But we know this. He was born on a day. Right. Amen. So December 25th is as good a day as any to celebrate that day. When, when he returns, we'll find out his real birthday. We'll readjust all our calendars, and then we're going to be okay, all right? But for now, let's, uh, let's try to focus on this holiday. Try, try, and, and listen, it's, this can always, almost always be a difficult year for some individuals, too. Uh, almost every year. In fact, every year, there's going to be people that are going to be suffering loss. There's going to be people that are going to be missing loved ones. There are going to be people, there's going to be families that maybe are struggling financially. Um, try to stay sensitive to that. If that's you, if you're one of them, our prayers are with you, that God will comfort you, that you'll be very much aware of the comfort of the Holy Spirit as you go through this. For some of you, it might be an anniversary of loss of a loved one. It might be the first Christmas you're going to be spending without a loved one or whatever, some kind of relational uh, uh, trauma that you may have experienced, and maybe this is the first holiday that you're going to go through alone. Just know that the Holy Spirit is there for you. His comfort is there for you. We're there for you, okay? And we can't pray about the things we don't know about. So if there are things going on, please let us know so that we can pray for you and be there for you. Amen? Amen. 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 So here we are. We're in the season. This is it. You know, the lights are going up. The trees are going up. Uh, this is a season uh, that's very special to, to all of us, I would imagine. Um, this weekend, we are celebrating communion together. You may have seen your communion cup on the seat as you came in today. And we're using this, this day today as a way of launching 100% uh, into this season. Uh, I want to take us, I want to spend some time 
uh, with a specific prophecy from the Old Testament. And you know something, I don't even like call, I don't, you know, I said this a while, I don't like calling it Old Testament. Every time I say Old Testament, it's like something in here goes, eh. It's first covenant and second covenant. Okay, thank God for the first covenant. The covenant that we have with God now in this new dispensation, in this, in this church age, is based on the old covenant. So please resist the temptation. I know there's a lot of people, uh, not, not a lot, but there's some uh, teachers uh, uh, online, on TV, whatever, that, are, that every once in a while drop this, I don't know what they're thinking of. Well, the Old Testament's over with. We don't, we don't live in the Old Testament. It's true, we don't live in the Old Testament. But our relationship with our Father in Heaven is based on the first covenant. Amen. It's how he revealed himself first to uh, Abraham and, and first to, to Isaac and Jacob and all of the patriarchs and their families. Look, that's our cornerstone. The first covenant that God revealed himself to mankind with, that is the foundation of our faith. Don't ever be robbed of that. In fact, you really, 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 truly can't understand the new covenant that we have. And I know in Hebrews it tells us that we have a new covenant with new and better promises. We do. But that new covenant is based on the old covenant. And if you don't know the old covenant, you're really not understanding the new covenant. And that's why we come out with these Western ideas of Christianity and American Christianity. And if you look at it, it seems like a completely separate, uh, in itself looks like a completely separate basis of belief than we read in the beginning of the Bible. Forget, two-thirds of the Bible is the first covenant. Okay? Uh, I mention this every once in a while to our entrepreneurs group, and if you don't know that we have an entrepreneurs group here, if you are self-employed, if you're a professional, if you consider yourself an entrepreneur, uh, we have a a special group that meets once a month on the second Friday morning of every month at 9 o'clock, especially to minister to people uh, that are involved in this type of, uh, this, this is your job. You're an entrepreneur. You, you are self-employed. You have your own company, your own business. Look, my wife and I know personally the pressures that are involved in something like that. We've been self-employed all of our lives, whether in the ministry or not, even before the ministry, uh, in the food business, the restaurant business, and that's where I left all my hair was in the restaurant <laughs> business because only crazy people go in the restaurant business. So we found that out. It took a couple of decades, Okay. And so we understand what the pressures are. So if you're in that, medical professional, uh, any type of professional, we have uh, attorneys that come, we have teachers that come, uh, make yourself available for that because, you know, we we minister to people along those lines. It's a tough, a lot of pressure when you have a minimum of two sets of bills. You've got bills that you've got to take care of for your house. And does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Yeah, it's, and you got bills for the business, you got bills for home, you got pressures, you got employees, you got employees, you got employees, you got. We know what that's like, so you can avail yourself to that. I brought that up to say this. I saw people's faces go tilt, uh, and one of the one of the meetings that we had recently, when I said, ninety-eight percent of all the promises that involve prosperity, wealth how to run a business, how to manage employees, how to prosper are in the first covenant, not the second covenant. The second covenant, you see a little bit mentioned about that because it's assumed that the people, uh, the recipients of the second covenant understood the principles of the first covenant. But if you don't understand the principles of the first covenant, then you can get weird. So we're focusing on a prophecy, a key prophecy from the first covenant uh, given to to the prophet Isaiah by the Holy Spirit. Can we go to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14? I'm reading to you from the Amplified Bible. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Listen carefully. The virgin will conceive, and that's a miracle right there, okay? The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Come on, read this out loud with me, nice and loud, one, two, three. And she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now look at that word, Emmanuel. You see the last two words, the last two letters? What are the last two letters? Whenever you see E-L on the, name of, on the end of a name, it is referring to God. So this is, this is literally a few Hebrew words put together. Emmanuel means God with us. Amen? Amen. And then you look at some of the prophets like Daniel. We, you know, we'll say Daniel. It's Daniel, 
God is judge, okay? Every one of those names has a meaning, so don't let that escape you. This is a title of God. Now, I know there's many people, we might have some people in this, in this room today whose name is Emmanuel or Emmanuel. It comes from that, God with us. Now, understand this. We take this for granted, okay? You're going to send out Christmas cards. It's going to have this prophecy on there, and we take it for granted. God with us, God with us. We have very much a Christian mentality so we're used to, yes, Jesus came to the earth in the flesh, and he is God Almighty with us here in the earth. But this was an entirely new concept when this prophecy was announced. What do you mean, God with us? Even to this day, even to this day, Judaism, uh, the Judaism, today's Judaism, rabbinic Judaism, okay, has a hard time uh, accepting that Jesus could be God because their mindset is how could God become a man and come to this earth? Now we know it's all throughout the first covenant that God appears on the earth. Jesus appeared on the earth before he was born in Bethlehem. But this was a brand new thing. This is a, what, do you, what do you mean God with us? You know, we're used to God being afar off. You remember, there was no idea of a contact, a, a God that you can connect with, a God that, you could be a, that was approachable until at least the tabernacle, that tent. You remember the tent that they carried around in the wilderness and that place was where the, the spirit of God would come and you know, the pillar of fire by day and the pillar of cloud by night. How many of you remember what I'm talking yes. about? Yeah. That was the closest they ever came. Up, but before that, you had, okay, Abraham sitting in his tent and these three figures come, which we understand now is God and then two angels with him and he has a conversation. But that stuff was very rare. You and I, we're spoiled because you and I have the Holy Spirit living in us. Amen. Are you, can you, are you, don't ever take that for granted. You, you, if you're born again and you're, the Holy Ghost lives in you, and he does, if you received Christ as your Lord and Savior, his spirit came to live inside you. So you now, according to Paul's revelation, you and I are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We're literally walking temples containing the Spirit of God. And that's why it's so important for us to be mindful when we come in contact with individuals that God's putting in our path for us to minister to. That's the equivalent of a person thousands of years ago traveling all the way to Jerusalem to get as close to that little 15 by 15 by 15 room where the Holy Spirit dwelled. You remember Indiana Jones? The Ark of the Covenant? How many remember what I'm talking about? Okay, that, That's a real thing. Okay, And my suspicions are that they have the original Ark of the Covenant and they're not saying anything to anybody because we're that close to the temple being, being rebuilt. Okay, But understand, this is all what Christmas brought into our lives. Christmas, the birth of Christ, whatever, whether it was in June or, or August or December or some people say September, which is probably a good possibility. Okay, uh, It doesn't matter when. What matters is it happened. God came to earth in the flesh so that he could be like one of us. I came across this story a number of years ago, and I want to use it as an example. This prince wanted to find a wife suitable to be his queen. So one day, while he's running an errand in the local village for his father, the king, he passed through a poor section. As he glanced out the windows of the carriage, his eyes fell upon a beautiful young lady, peasant young lady. During the ensuing days, he often passed by the young lady and soon fell in love. But he had a problem. How would he seek her hand? How could he, he, he could order her to marry him. After all, he's the prince there and eventually will become the king. But even a prince wants his bride to marry him freely and voluntarily, not through coercion or through pressure. He could put on his most splendid uniform and drive up to her front door in a carriage drawn by six horses. But if he did this, he would never be sure or certain that this young lady loved him or was she just simply overwhelmed with all the splendor. So the prince came up with another solution. He would give up his kingly robe. He moved into the village, entering not with a crown, but with the, with the dress and the garb of a peasant. He lived among the people. He shared their interests and concerns talked their language, and in time, this young lady grew to love him because of who he was and because he loved her first. What an awesome picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Came to this earth, became one of us, put aside all his 
divine abilities and lived among us as one of us, a man or a woman empowered by the Holy Spirit, but a human in the flesh. You understand this? And when you understand this, you'll realize what a temptation it was when the enemy came and tried to tempt him to act like God on the earth and not man. Because if Jesus would have acted like God on the earth and not man, then there's no example for us to follow because contrary to what you might believe about yourself, you're not God and neither am I. These are important things that we cannot separate out. These are, what am I, why am I bringing this out? Because I want us to be able to celebrate Christmas with a genuine gratitude, Amen. with a genuine appreciation for all that it means. Way more than just decorations. Way more than Christmas trees and Christmas cookies and all the famous foods that we make every year and, and then nobody ends up eating them anyway because this is the way we always did it. Okay, let's make it more than that this year. Let's actually treat Christmas with, a, with an honor and a respect and a reverence that, that, that this occasion really deserves. Amen? Amen? But the most important thing is this, that literally we know that God is love, yes? yes. Well, then we could say that love came down from heaven Amen. and dwelled among us and, and, and affected our lives and affected mankind for all time. Jesus became flesh just like you and me. He made himself relatable, approachable, and accessible. He is not a God, a God who is far off. Okay, understand that. Because we do entertain that thought sometimes. If you've ever caught yourself saying, well, you know, I just don't want to bother God. I know he's too busy for this or too busy for that. That's a joke. Uh, because his spirit lives in you. He, he already knows what you're going to go through before you go through it. Amen? Amen. So, so don't get caught up in that stuff. But just think about this. Philippians 2, 6 says this. Though he was God, and he always will be God, he did not think of equality with God to be something to cling to, to hold on to, to, to grab hold of. Instead, he, Jesus, gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Well, let me read that again. He humbled himself in obedience to God, and part of that obedience required him to suffer a criminal's death on the cross. But here's the thing. We're the criminals, not him. We're criminals. We deserve that kind of death. But he took it upon himself so that you and I wouldn't have to, so that we could bypass that punishment and come into relationship with our Father in heaven. Amen. I don't know. I'm not one to want to go back into the graveyard of my life. And we shouldn't do that as a practice. But I think every once in a while, we should try to remember what life was like before we knew him. Yes. My God. Hopeless. Hopeless, purposeless going nowhere, and, and, the, and the sickest part about it was, we didn't even know. We didn't even know how hopeless we were. We didn't even know the darkness that we were. We didn't even realize the darkness, because when you're in darkness, everything's dark. It's not until the light affects our life that we understand, and he is the light of life. And you and I, if it wasn't for him, would be hopelessly condemned to walking in darkness while we're on this earth, and then forever in eternity, separated from him in darkness. You know, the one thing you might remember when Bill Weiss was here. How many remember Bill Weiss? Okay, the gentleman who uh, had that experience of spending 23 minutes in hell, and then wrote the books about it. And, you know, he's been to our church here three times already. Um, in private conversations, he, he tells us how it was so much worse than he could possibly explain here when he, when he speaks in public. It's just that, that sense of being in darkness, and that darkness literally is like an entity. It's like darkness is, is real, like darkness is alive. You can sense it, you can feel it. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a being. And he said there's nothing on earth that you can use to describe that. But when the, when the Bible talks about darkness, it's a, it's a terrifying 
darkness. A darkness that you don't know what's coming at you. You don't know what the next torture is going to be, the next torment's going to be. I, we can't even think about what it's like. And that should prompt us to make sure that we do everything possible to reach our loved ones, to, to reach whoever God puts in our path, to make sure that they don't go to that place of darkness and you're, they, they, you never get out. He said that was the scariest part of his experience, that he was under the impression and under, he was, he was believing, and it was very real to him, you're never going to get out of this experience. That's horrifying. And so when you realize that Jesus came as the light of the world, now what are, what are you comparing? The light of the world compared to what? Not compared to darkness that we experience on the earth. He's comparing it to the darkness that's experienced in eternity by those that are lost. He's the light. He's the one that points the way out. And we should appreciate that. Amen? Amen. So, now, now when we take all these things into consideration, now all of a sudden this message that the angel brought to the shepherds there in Bethlehem should mean so much more. Let's look at that. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields watching, keeping watch over the flock by night. Now let me spend a, a couple of seconds here on this. We go, we read this. Um, how many of you are shepherds here What's your prof as profession? As profession, you're a shepherd? How many sheep do you have? So, so, so we're pretty much oblivious to, to what that lifestyle is, Okay. But understand this. Now, this isn't explained in the Gospels again because when, you're, when the culture that you're, you're writing to or speaking to, you, they understand this already. There's no need to explain things. But here we are 2,000 years later and we read this and we go, oh, there were the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping a watch over the flock by night. Okay. And we go, okay, where is this taking place? Oh my God, it's so much worse than I thought. Where is this taking place? What city? Bethlehem. Bethlehem. House of bread. Okay? Okay, what did Jesus refer to himself as? The bread of life. Okay, now watch this now. These shepherds are not your average shepherds. These are not like your union shepherds. These are like, uh, these are different. These are like SWAT team shepherds. The shepherds that watch the flocks in Bethlehem were employed specifically by the temple priests. These are not you, these are not, these sheep are not for lamb chops, okay? These shepherds are under the command of the priests in the temple to raise these sheep so that they would be spotless, so they would have no deformity, so there'd be nothing wrong with them whatsoever. They were trained to take special care of these little lambs and these little sheep, okay? They're not being raised for consumption in the public. These lambs are being raised to be sacrificed at the temple. These are special shepherds. All they've been, all their whole lives are spent on um, taking care of the lambs of God who are going to be sacrificed in the temple. Are you getting this? So watch what happens now. Now that we're living in the same country, shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night, and behold, the glory of the, excuse me, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Let's do this again. Because I just realized something. No, no, go back to nine. And behold, an angel, say an angel, an angel. of the Lord stood before them. Who's the them? The shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around. Yes. Who? The shepherds. The shepherds. All of a sudden, the shepherds are in this, this realm of glory. Oh, because one angel showed up, all right? And they were greatly afraid. Yeah, that would scare us too, wouldn't it? Well, as an angel appears, he's floating up in the sky. He's giving, he started to give the, the, these messages. And here you are out at night, and the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Obviously, they're afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings, and we would say good news of great joy, which will be to all people eventually. Amen. 
So this is, this is a, a major announcement that's being made. Okay, major announcement that's being made. Something happened here tonight that's going to change, eventually going to affect the entire planet. And who's the first person this angel appears to? Shepherds. Shepherds, the ones who are taking care of the lambs of God. Okay? For there was born to you this day in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior, or would say Mashiach, or who is Christ, who is Messiah, the Lord. So in the city of David, there's born a Messiah, a deliverer, who is Messiah Adonai, the divine term, one of the divine names of God. Are you listening? And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, why would that be a sign? Because the sheep were wrapped in swaddling clothes. You didn't, you didn't necessarily wrap a baby in swaddling clothes, and they wrapped the sheep up in swaddling clothes tight so that they would not damage themselves because they're supposed to be perfect, spotless, deformless sheep that are offered to God. Okay? And suddenly it was with the angel a multitude of... Now, if the the shepherds got scared before, imagine this. (laughs) A multitude of the heavenly hosts, the heavenly armies... We're not talking about fat cherub babies. We're talking about major warring angels that show up. Let me tell you something. If a real angel showed up in our midst, we'd all fall on the floor. Okay? Praising God and saying, glory to God. Now, this is important. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill, Say it loud. Toward men. men. Now, this message has gotten so misrepresented all throughout the centuries. I remember sitting with my attorney years ago, Jewish man. He knew we were Christians. We weren't in ministry yet, but he knew we were Christians. And so it sparked a little conversation. And I'm trying to tell him in a nice way, uh, this is your Messiah, and he said, I can't accept that Jesus could be the Messiah because when the Messiah comes, he's supposed to bring peace on the earth. I said he will when he comes back the next time. Amen. The first time he came was to sacrifice himself as, as taking all of our punishment on himself. But there's been no peace on the earth, he said to me, Joe. I say, I understand that. But when he returns... Their will. Now, that mindset comes out of a misunderstanding of this because most people think it says, and on earth, peace, goodwill among men. It doesn't say among men, does it? No. Does it say between men? No. no. What does it say? Goodwill toward men. From who? God. From God. So, what is this angel actually announcing? What this angel is saying is look, Up until this point, since Adam's time until now, there's been animosity between God and man. There's been anger from God towards man. What the angel came to announce is, that stops today. That stops today. So now watch this now. Most Bible commentators, Bible scholars believe that Jesus lived on the earth about 33 years before he went to the cross. Yes? Yes. 33, 34, 35, whatever it is. But we know it it would be over 30. We know over 30 because the pattern is established in the first covenant. A priest in the first covenant could not step into his duties until he passed the age of 30. So we know that Jesus couldn't have, his ministry couldn't have started before that. Okay. So, So here we are now. Watch this now. I want you to understand something because we're in a very similar season right now in mankind. So the angel comes. And announces, from this day forward, whether it's December 25th or whatever it is, from this day forward, God is not mad at the world anymore. But this child is an infant. And so now we have a transition period. Because this child has to be over the age of 30 before he can go and present himself as the priest, the high priest, as a rabbi, as a teacher, so now we have a transition period, and that's why you see in the Gospels, you'll see a little bit of First Covenant, what you would call Old Testament, and you see a little bit of New Covenant, 
But the new covenant, the second covenant, doesn't start until Jesus on the cross says, it is finished. Or in other words, and really in the original languages, it has been completed. But you have a, a 33, possibly anywhere from 33 to 40 year transition period, which is always, you always see that pattern in the word of God. A 40 year transition period. Uh, the number 40 is always symbolic of transition. Are you getting this? Yes. Okay, whether it's 40 days, uh, and Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights. Uh, it was 40 years in the wilderness coming from Egypt, coming into the promised land. And if you look at it, and it, it's loosely 40 years. You look at it, in the book of Acts, it's about a 40-year transition period between when Jesus ascends back into heaven, and now the church is in place now, full force, from then until um, the destruction of the temple in, Rome, in, uh, in Israel, in Jerusalem. And then all of a sudden, the attention of the church turns from Jerusalem uh, to uh, the churches in, in, in the New Testament. Okay, Paul's churches that he established in Galatia. Um, uh, we're talking Antioch in Syria becomes a major. And then eventually Rome, a couple hundred years later, Rome ends up becoming the central focus of Christianity. A church, listen to me please. We're in that transition period now. Listen to me. We are in that transition period right now. Things have shifted. Things have changed. Most of us, our lifespan is within that transition period. And that's why we don't realize it, because we don't know what it was like to live before that. But everything started to transition right after World War II. You say, well, that was a long time ago. In God's eyes, it was three seconds ago. Okay? Everything shifted. The attention of the world was no longer, once the war was over, the attention of the world was no longer on Germany, was no longer on Japan. It went to Israel. Now that's the first time the attention of, of the world was on Israel for 2,000 years. Are you listening to me? I've told you this before. I challenge you to go look it up. Ancient maps that existed today have Jerusalem at the center of the world. Okay, you can't dispute this. This is, this is, this is God's plan. So, so why is this significant? Because if the attention of the world is, getting, is coming more and more on Israel, and now you can't put the news on without... You understand what I'm saying? Yes. So there's something different about this war. This isn't the usual conflict. This is a spiritual manifestation. Amen. Okay, this isn't a fight for land. This isn't a fight for money. This isn't a fight... Although you might think it is behind the scenes. And even the players might think it is behind the scenes. But God uses nations and God uses people. And the attention is coming back on Israel. This is significant to us. Okay? Because from this point forward, the world is going to live with a very, very uh, strong awareness of Israel. You cannot put Israel, you cannot sweep Israel or the Jewish people under the carpet anymore. This is front and center now, and this is the way it's going to be. Why? Because up until this point, for the past 2,000 years, the church, the Gentile church, has had preeminence on the earth. Okay? Um, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, it went like this. And now it's... Now what does it mean? Are we saying that the church is powerless and church is... No, it has nothing to do with the church being powerless. In fact, the church needs to operate in power more now than ever. Amen. But the church will very soon pass from the scene. And all the attention of the world is going to go back on Israel. Okay? I believe with all of my hearts, with all my hearts, I only have one, with all my heart, I believe, I've been saying, I was saying this to my wife yesterday, I believe that uh, amongst, look, look, the demographic in our area has changed drastically. Would you agree? Okay? We have tons of Jewish families that are moving into our area from New York, from, from upper, upstate New York, from all these different areas here. That's not by coincidence. I believe amongst these individuals are some of those that will be among the 144,000. You got to study your prophecy, okay? 
when the rapture takes place and the church is removed from the earth and we spend seven years with Jesus in heaven, while that seven years is going on, here on earth is going to be hell like never before. It will be like October the 7th every day. You listening to me? Okay. Jesus is going to return and complete everything that needed to be completed for, for redemption. But guard your hearts. Do not take an anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic attitude. Your Messiah is a Jew. Amen. How are you going to face him if you've entertained an anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish what are these people here for? Why are they doing this? And look at this. And they are ruined our neighborhoods. You better watch yourself. Okay? You better watch yourself. God shifts populations according to his plan. Amen. Now, you're aware, you probably are, that there are more, more Orthodox Jews in New York City than there are in Jerusalem. Right. And yet, look at, look at what's happening in New York City. Okay? How could you have public displays of anti-Semitism in one of the most Jewish cities in the world. That's a spiritual problem. Because none of those people that are out there, anti-Israel, anti-Jew, they don't have a clue of what's going on. So what's happening? They are puppets of the enemy. Let me tell you something. Every time when Moses showed up on the scene, you had an anti-Jewish, anti-Semite, cruel dictator on the throne in Egypt. And what was his goal? Wipe out the Jews. Wipe out, let, let the midwives throw the babies, the male babies into the river. Okay? Every time God, when Jesus showed up on the scene, you had a, a megalomaniac, crazy demon-possessed king on the throne in Jerusalem. And what was his goal? Wipe out these babies. Go, go to Bethlehem and the surrounding areas and wipe out every child under the, under the age of two. Okay? What just happened? That same murderous spirit is active again in the earth. Why? Because he's coming soon. I don't know why you guys don't get excited about that. He's coming. You realize that we're going to witness the most spectacular event in human history that's going to make the Red Sea parting look like... You need to be ready for that. You need to be aware of that. So... The angel comes and declares, God's not mad anymore. In fact, he's going to take all his anger out on this baby. When this child grows up, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin in the world, he's going to take all the anger that God has had towards mankind. Okay? Now, there's an expiration date on that. Because, you see, we've been living in what's called the age of grace where according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God is no longer counting our sins against us during this age, this church age. Why? Because he put them all on Jesus. But once the church is off the scene, once the, the believers in Jesus Christ are removed from the earth, and that's coming, okay, there's going to be a time period of, again, where the wrath of God, the punishment from God upon non-believers is going to be poured out on this earth again. That's part of the great tribulation. It's not going to be a fun time. Right now, we're like, like minutes before it started raining with the ark. We've got to get as many people on the ark as possible. Get as many people on the ark as possible. You don't want any of your loved ones. We don't want any of our loved ones, our friends. We don't even want our enemies to get left behind here. But watch this now. During this age that we're living in, this 2,000-year period, okay, God's not mad at us anymore. So when, when a believer, a believer entertains guilt and condemnation, a believer I'm talking about, not a person who doesn't know the Lord. When a believer entertains guilt and condemnation and fear, because even, even 1 John chapter 4 tells us that fear is the result of us knowing that there's punishment ahead. If you're still entertaining that there's punishment ahead for you, you haven't understood the gospel. Because in this time period, Jesus has taken all of our punishment upon himself. 
You listening? The war is over. That's what the angel was saying. The war is over. Now, if we get our time frames right, that war lasted about 4,000 years. 4,000 years, mankind had a sense that God was angry with man. And he was. That's why you had to, in order to come before God, you could not come empty-handed. Something had to die, something had to shed blood. Okay, that's why in pagan cultures you have human sacrifice. They understood something has to die. You, in Judaism, you had animal sacrifice. Right, God's the one who set that example. When Adam and Eve sinned, what was God's response? He killed animals, took their skins, and covered Adam and Eve's nakedness. That's the sacrificial system. But it only covered their nakedness. Sin nature wasn't dealt with yet. Christmas begins that day that Christ was born of Mary in Bethlehem began the overturning of 4,000 years of the way God dealt with mankind. We are so honored and privileged. Some of us sometimes say, well, I wish I would have lived in that time frame. I wish we lived in that. No, we're living in the most exciting time frame right now. God's love is being poured out on the earth. And we celebrate that at Christmas time. We celebrate the beginning. But the angel declared, God is not man. In fact, he has goodwill toward man. Toward man. Now that goodwill toward men should produce goodwill among men. And that's why we as the church are instructed constantly, love one another, love one another, love one another, forgive one another, overlook other people's flaws and their faults and their, their character weaknesses, overlook these things, love one another, love one another, love one another, carry each other's burdens, pray for one another, provide for one another, do good to one another. Why? Because the goodwill from God is supposed to produce goodwill among men. Okay, now the day will come when Jesus comes and he will enforce peace on the earth because he will rule with a rod of iron from his throne in Jerusalem. And if there is any kind of rebellion, it'll be put down. If there is any kind of violence, it'll be put down. That's when Isaiah prophesied and said they'll take their tools of war and make them into farming implements because there won't be any war anymore. But until that happens, we have war. And violence. And crime. And everything else along those lines. Are you hearing me this morning? So, let me read you an excerpt from Andrew Womack's book, The War is Over. If you don't have that book, if you never read it, I would suggest you do. I would write that down if I was you. Andrew Womack... The war is over. He writes extensively about what we just talked about. Here's the excerpt. Prior to the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, God was at war against man's sins. His wrath came upon people because of of the sin in their lives. Many Christians haven't mentally separated this out and really looked at it. They just run everything in the Bible together. Yet a closer examination of God's word reveals that there is a wrath and a judgment from God against people in the Old Testament that is totally unjustified and wrong in the New Testament. Why? Jesus ended the war between God and man. He, Jesus, made all the difference. And that's what we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas. His arrival. I I wish sometimes that we could, we could, for a short period of time, experience what a descendant of Abraham would have experienced, let's say, 3,000 years ago. You're raised from birth to understand and to recite and memorize the scriptures. And those scriptures point to one person, this Messiah who your great-grandfather's great-grandfather's great-grandfather was waiting for. And understand this. Again, we're so spoiled because we live in the age already when Messiah came 2,000 years ago. But imagine, imagine that feeling of when's he going to get here? When is he coming? Imagine what it was like when, when the Babylonians came and destroyed Jerusalem 
And, and most people probably would have stood in their homes and praying like, this would be a good time for you to show up right now. Imagine when, when they were deported to Babylon, okay? And then this man Haman rises up who's determined to destroy every single Jew in the Persian Empire, which, by the way, is modern-day Iran. Some things never change, okay? Okay, now understand, you're there, and you're, you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting. And every time a baby boy is born, you think it's possible it could be him. It could be him. And for thousands of years, your, your, your shared cultural experiences, maybe, maybe next year, and, and maybe next year, and, and then it becomes next year in Jerusalem. And, and every holiday ends with next year in Jerusalem because Jerusalem was off limits for so many hundreds of years. Okay, imagine that mindset. Imagine that. Try to experience that. And then you're, you're one of the shepherds whose your main job is to take care of the sheep, the little lambs that are eventually going to get their throat slit in the temple and you're there, and this angel shows up, and basically what he says to you is, everything you've been waiting for and your great-grandfather's great-grandfather, great-grandfather's been waiting for happened today. Imagine that joy. Imagine that, are you kidding me? It's, it's actually happening? And then you're led to go find this little baby, and you find this vulnerable, innocent, helpless little child, and you're faced with the thought, my redemption is based on this little child? But then you start to realize, wait a second, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one. And when we get to heaven, maybe we'll track down these shepherds, okay, and say to them, did you realize? And who knows if one of them might have been young enough to when Jesus was a full-grown male, he may have uh, heard the messages, the teachings. Who knows if one of them might have been there and heard that he had been crucified. We don't know these things. They make for fantastic stories and illustrations. But when we get to heaven, all these pieces are going to fall into place. But we should have that same kind of expectation and appreciation right now. Because I know, look, Jesus is not a baby in the manger anymore. And, and by the way, if you have those little wooden stick manger things, that's not what a manger is. Okay, that was the French's idea, French people's idea, because they're the ones that started with the little nativity scenes back in, in, during the Renaissance period. It, it was a stone trough. It was carved out of stone, cold, hard, because that's what life is like here on the earth. And Jesus, from his birth, had to begin to experience what life was like on the earth for a human being. Cold, hard stone. And they would have put straw in there to comfort him. And here's this baby, this vulnerable baby. This is the one that's going to bear all of our sins. This is the one that's going to take upon himself all of our punishment that we deserve. Please don't let this holiday go by and make it just about a certain cookie recipe. Now bring the cookies next week. <laughs> Pastor Matt and I are going to be the judges. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Do not lose the significance of Christmas. Don't let it be robbed from you. Let the Holy Spirit enlighten you. Let the Holy Spirit reveal to you every little facet. Why do we have Christmas trees? Why do we have Christmas trees? Well, it was because it was a pagan custom in Germany. No, God always redeems things that the world corrupts. Okay. The scriptures refer to the cross as a tree. Amen. Don't lose these things. Why is lights and candles and illumination so important at Christmas time? Because he is the light of the world, and the light overcomes the darkness. Don't, don't lose these. Why do we give gifts to one another? Because eventually, the wise men came and brought gifts to Jesus. But then don't forget also that in Ephesians, it tells us that when he rose from the dead, he ascended on high and gave gifts unto men. That's when he assigned the gifts, the ministry gifts to the church. 
the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, okay? He gave gifts unto men, okay? I thank God that he has allowed me to participate in one of those gifts, amen? amen? But we all have gifts, every single one of us. We are all ministers of reconciliation. Every one of us has the gift of the Holy Spirit, which Peter referred to him as a gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit within us is the one who empowers us to carry out the ministry of reconciliation, to restore people unto God the Father, just like somebody restored us, Jesus. And somebody came and told us this message. And so love came down from earth to be spread about, not to be held onto, not to be hoarded, not to be ex an exclusive thing. It's just for me. Use every opportunity this season here to spread that love. Be Jesus' love to somebody who really needs it right now. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to take communion together. Hallelujah. I pray that something that I've shared with you this morning has kind of opened your eyes to what Christmas is really about. Amen. Praise God. Why don't we just have Mark play on that? So listen, we believe in preparing our hearts for communion. We believe in not just taking communion as an empty ritual. So here's what I want us to do in preparation. We're preparing for Christmas, but right now we're preparing for communion. Would you all just bow your heads for a moment and just close your eyes? I want to speak a few things, and I want you to be undistracted. Jesus died on the cross to purchase forgiveness for us. Now, forgiveness is a big deal. Forgiveness can be a source of freedom, or it can be, unforgiveness can be a source of slavery. It would be inappropriate of us to remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross by taking communion together while we hold, listen closely, please, while we hold unforgiveness in our hearts towards anyone. It would be extremely inappropriate for us to take advantage of the grace of God without us extending grace to others. If there's anybody in your life right now, even with the slightest thing that you need to forgive, please, right now from your heart, forgive that person. And, and maybe I've just triggered some thoughts, some hurts from the past. Pastor, you don't know what I've endured. You don't know what my life has been like. I don't. I'd be lying to you if I said I did. But there's one in heaven who does. And you need to let go of those hurts. If you need forgiveness from someone in your heart right now, ask God to equip you to go and ask for forgiveness from whoever you may have hurt, whether it was intentional or unintentional. The hurt and the pain sometimes is the same, whether it's on purpose or by accident. So release that. Release that person, but you yourself be released. And then as soon as you can, go in person. Now, if the person has gone on, they're, they're not on this, on this, in this life any longer, you just clear it up between you and God. And ask for forgiveness for whatever that thing is. We want to go into communion with a pure heart. Now, if there's some here, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or anything like that, that maybe you have felt very distant from God. Maybe you have put yourself in a position where your awareness of God has grown cold. Maybe you've stopped pursuing him. Maybe you have stopped praying. You've stopped reading the word, whatever that is. Just make a commitment right now. God, I want a fresh start with you. He's the God of the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, the fifth chance, and keep, keep going on. He restores our souls. He refreshes us. 
I pray that you would receive that restoration right now and that refreshing. And lastly, if there may be someone here this morning that you've been coming to church or maybe you've been reading your Bible, but you've never really opened your heart and made a commitment to the Lord and just said, Jesus, I believe in you. I want you to be my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. If you've never done that before, I'm going to ask you to use your act of communion today. When you receive communion, I'm asking you to symbolically let that mean to you that you're receiving the bread of life, the Lord Jesus Christ, as your Lord and as your Savior. Amen? Amen. Take hold of your communion cup there. Let's peel off that plastic on top. Why, why is it that us guys, like when you go to the supermarket, you can never open up those produce bags? I always have to ask a woman that's standing around, could you please open this for me? Okay, here we go. We got it. We got it. Now, that little wafer that you're holding in your hand, it's flat. It's pretty tasteless. There's no leavening in it. There's no yeast in it because yeast is, a, is symbolic of sin. And we're holding the representation of the bread of life in our hands here. Yet tasteless because he appeared as an ordinary man just like you and me. Isaiah says there's nothing special about him that we should be attracted to him. He is without sin, without spot, without flaw. And he is the bread that brings life to us. So, I'm going to pray a blessing upon this, and we're going to receive it just like Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. We're not crucifying him again. We're not sacrificing him again. We are memorializing what he did. We are showing our appreciation this morning. Amen? Amen. Father, we pray your blessing upon this bread. We recognize that it is symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ, the bread of life, the Lamb of God who went to the cross on our behalf. We receive this bread with thanksgiving in our hearts, Father. We're so grateful for the Lord Jesus and for all that he accomplished on our behalf. Thank you, Father. I pray that you reveal him to us like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead. Just peel back the foil on that cup there. And what we have in our hands is symbolic of the most powerful thing in the entire universe, in the seen realm and the unseen realm. This is symbolic of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand that every other human being that's ever been born on this planet, ever will be born on this planet, has sin in our very blood. Our DNA reflects that sin. But when Jesus came, his blood did not come from a human being on this earth. Spotless, sinless, and his blood is what defeated Satan at the cross. Father, we're blessed to receive this cup, Lord God. We're so grateful, Father. Lord, we can't even put words. Father, they would be insufficient to be able to express our gratitude to Jesus, our Lord. The one who shed his blood. The one who didn't withhold anything, but took all of the punishment that we deserved. And by his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. We receive this cup with thanksgiving in our hearts, Father. Recognizing that without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness, no remission of our sins. We're grateful as we receive this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can, you can pass these. When you, when you leave today, just give them the ushers are back there with buckets in their hands. You can just put these cups there. Now listen, I pray that something that we've experienced here today, a song, a scripture, a prayer, has touched your hearts. Now if there's any of you here today that you took communion with the understanding that you were receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
would you please let us know that you made that decision today? It's extremely important that you tell somebody. There'll be people standing up here when we're dismissed. Just come on up and just say, I received Jesus today. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer for anything else, please don't leave and take those prayer burdens with you. Come up here. There's people that will pray with you and pray for you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Don't forget, be here these next few weeks as we prepare our hearts for Christmas.